Welcome back to our riveting show, Taxed Enough Already. I'm your host, Dan Newwash. If this is your first time here, you might be asking yourself, why is this show so riveting? Well, it's because we only talk about the action-packed topics of taxation, economics, and high finance. Now, I do need to provide a warning for this episode. If you have a heart condition or any type of health condition that can be triggered by extreme jubilation, you might want to sit this one out. Because today, I'll be giving a brief history over the American tax system. The American tax system has changed drastically since America declared its independence. The Declaration of Independence was issued by the Continental Congress on July 4, 1776. However, the American Revolutionary War lasted until 1783, and America was not officially granted its independence until April 1783, when Congress accepted the British proposed treaty that met its peace demands. Later that year, there was another significant milestone on September 3rd of 1783. The Treaty of Paris that was signed between Great Britain and the United States, recognizing the United States as a sovereign nation, making peace between our nations, and formally ending the American Revolutionary War. Now, obviously, our tax system has changed drastically since America's original inception, but there's been another significant change that's accompanied that, which is cultural acceptance and an extremely high level of compliance. One of the catalysts of the American Revolutionary War was the Boston Tea Party. The events that led to the Boston Tea Party were multifactorial, but it is widely known for the refusal of tax on imported tea. There is a common misconception regarding this piece of history. That misconception is that there was a 3% tax when it was in fact a 3 pence tax, a pence being the smallest denomination of currency at the time. This tax was to be paid by the colonies to the British Royal Empire. The three pence tax would have roughly been about a 10% tax at the time, not a 3% tax. After the Revolutionary War and up until the early 1900s, the vast majority of federal revenue or tax revenue was from tariffs and excise taxes. If you're unfamiliar with what an excise tax is, well, think of it as a tax you almost never see or realize that you're paying. Excise taxes are taxes that are imposed on certain goods, services, and activities. The taxpayers include importers, manufacturers, retailers, and consumers, and vary depending on the specific tax. Excise taxes may be imposed at the time of entry into the United States or sale or use after importation, sale by the manufacturer, sale by the retailer, or use by the consumer. A good example of this is tobacco products. For example, when I was stationed at Camp Lejeune over a decade ago, a carton of cigarettes would run you about $30 to $35 at the PX. The PX is the post exchange on base, which is where active duty service members can buy products and commodities tax free. Off base, that same carton of cigarettes would run you between $40 to $50. This is because of the excise tax imposed by the federal government which we didn't pay at the post exchange. At the same time, if you were to go to, say, New Jersey or New York, that same carton would run you $80 to $100. That's because excise taxes aren't just necessarily at the federal level, but states can impose their own excise taxes. 
Currently, tariffs and excise tax make up less than 10% of federal revenue. Federal income taxes make up the majority of federal tax revenue, with about half of it coming from individual income tax, followed by payroll taxes, or FICA taxes, which is Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, which makes up about a third of the federal tax revenue, which you can see on the graph showing here, which is from 2017. However, these numbers are still uniform. They've just increased not as a percentage but as a overall numerical value. The American Civil War led to the creation of the first income tax. In 1862, President Lincoln signed into law the first income tax in American history. At that point in time, the IRS did not exist, but the measure created a Commissioner of Internal Revenue to oversee and collect said taxes. The income tax implemented during the Civil War was a 3% tax on annual incomes over $600, but less than $10,000, and a tax of 5% on any income over $10,000. Inflation calculators only go back to about 1913, but in 1913, $10,000 would have been the equivalent to about $313,000 today. In 1867, Lincoln's income tax was drastically cut after the Civil War due to public opposition. And in 1894, there was an attempt to reintroduce those higher income tax rates. However, in 1895, the Supreme Court ruled that an income tax was unconstitutional and it was disbanded. And up until 1913, 90% of all tax revenue came from taxes collected on alcohol and tobacco. While the American Civil War led to the creation of the first income tax, the federal income tax was re-implemented in 1913 to help fund World War I. At the time of its implementation, the top tax bracket was 7%, and that rate was only paid on any income above $500,000. When we account for inflation in today's dollars, that would be a 7% tax on any income earned over $15.6 million. During this period, the Bureau of Internal Revenue was the governing body behind taxation, and the first recorded use of Internal Revenue Service, or IRS, wasn't used until 1918. It wasn't until 1953 in which Treasury Decision 6038 formalized the name change. Our income tax rates have vastly varied since its implementation in 1913, but the highest marginal tax bracket has not been below 10% since 1915 and jumped to a whopping 15% in 1916. The highest marginal tax bracket has jumped around drastically since then, from its highest being 94% from 1944 to 1945, and the lowest in recent history being 28% from 1988 to 1990. The highest marginal tax rate now of 37.5% is actually far below its historical average. From 1932 to 1986, the highest marginal tax rate was 50% or higher, most of those years being far above 50% which you can see in the graph we're showing here. The tax system as we know today is commonly referred to as the income tax withholding system, which has also changed throughout the years. If you're unfamiliar with this term, well, income tax withholding is this. As you can see in this example, this individual has a gross monthly income of $5,000. Gross income is the term used in the tax world to refer to your income before taxes are paid. However, their net income, 
highlighted in green, is $3,561. Net income, sometimes also called take-home pay, is the term used in the tax world to refer to your income after taxes. The reason there is such a drastic difference between their gross pay and their net pay is because of our tax withholding system. This individual is having over $1,200 of their monthly income withheld by their employer for their taxes. In the U.S., employers are required by federal law to withhold taxes on wages. Most states and some local governments also require this. The taxes withheld include federal income tax, Social Security, Medicare and Medicaid taxes, in state income tax, and certain other levies by a few states. But it hasn't always been this way. Tax withholding had been introduced in the Tariff Act of 1913, but repealed by the Income Tax Act of 1916. Income tax withholding was later reintroduced during World War II with the current Tax Payment Act of 1943. Milton Friedman, who has been referred to as the father of income tax withholding, was ironically a staunch critic of it, and later wished it to be abolished. While Friedman did help develop the current income tax withholding system, he knew it was constructed in a way that would make the process of collecting taxes much easier for the federal government. And he also knew it would take advantage of taxpayers by creating interest-free loans to the government from said taxpayers. Those interest-free loans are the overpayment of taxes by taxpayers, which are returned to them through a tax refund. This is another way in which many Americans are misled by this system. Majority of the American workforce are what we refer to as W-2'd employees, meaning they are on an employer's payroll, and part of this withholding system in which that employer is required by law to withhold their taxes. Over 90% of Americans who are W-2'd end up receiving a tax refund. They receive that tax refund because every year when they file their tax return, they are proving to the government that they overpaid in taxes. And their tax refund is exactly that, a refund in the amount they overpaid in taxes. So to be clear, a tax refund is not a gift from Uncle Sam. It is the return of the amount you overpaid in taxes without interest. Keep in mind, if the roles were reversed and the individual owed the government, they would be required to pay interest. This is essentially a system in which employees are likely innocent, meaning they do not owe taxes, but they are deemed guilty by default and have to prove their innocence in the form of that tax return to get their money back. The kicker is they are forced by federal law to be a part of the system, and if they don't comply, they are at risk of losing their assets or worse, even their freedom. Now Milton Friedman admitted in one of his last recorded interviews that it would have been impossible to levy the taxes that were collected during World War II without this withholding system. But he knew that it would be impossible to get rid of this once it was installed, and I quote, it would be too useful to the people in power. So the very creator of this system saw it as a necessary evil to help fund World War II, but later admitted that it would be impossible to get rid of because it was too useful to the people collecting our taxes. After the tax withholding system was implemented, major tax reform, particularly on the highest marginal tax bracket, didn't start to take effect until the 1980s. 
but this was preceding the implementation and expansion of the Alternative Minimum Tax, or AMT. The AMT is a special little tax specific to high-income earners. So if you believe high-income earners should be taxed at higher rates, rest assured they are, to the point that we have a specific tax designed just for them, the AMT. The AMT was originally prompted in 1969 by Treasurer Secretary Joseph Barr. Joseph Barr found that 155 high-income households had not paid any federal income tax. The AMT was originally implemented to target less than 200 American households that were considered wealthy. But that has been greatly expanded since the 1970s. The AMT's original intent was to target less than 200 taxpayers, but now over 4 million taxpayers end up paying the alternative minimum tax. Now, the most recent notable tax reform was the TCJA, or Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, that was implemented under President Trump. Now that I've mentioned the infamous Donald Trump, you may be thinking this is a political video. I promise you it is not. I do not care who you voted for, and I do not care who you are going to vote for. And if you've seen any of our other videos or content, you know we are big proponents of providing sources which you can see on the original posting of this video on our website. No matter where you're watching or listening to this, I promise you there is a link to that close by. Under the TCJA, 80% of Americans saw a tax benefit. 15% of Americans paid relatively the same amount, and about 5% of Americans ended up paying more. Nearly all of those 5% of taxpayers that paid more were high-income earners most of whom lived in states with high state and local taxes. Secondarily, the majority of the 15% who did not see a benefit from the TCJA were also high-income earners. However, those tax breaks do have a shelf life and are set to expire in 2025, unless there is another measure of tax reform that takes place. So we do have a unique tax system when compared to other developed nations. We also have a particularly high compliance rate as well. Compared to other nations, Americans are actually quite good at paying their taxes, and our government is also quite good at collecting them. America is actually the world's leader when it comes to what economists refer to as the Voluntary Compliance Rate, or VCR. VCR refers to complicity with the tax system and factors in tax fraud. The United States has maintained an 81 to 84% VCR rate in recent decades, while the European Union's peak VCR rate averages about 68%. After sitting through this video, though, you might agree with me that the term voluntary, when we refer to voluntary compliance rate at least, is being used fast and loose in this sense. Considering that most Americans are having their taxes forcefully withheld from them, and many are unaware of how much this system is taking advantage of them. Personally, I'd refer to it as OCR, Oblivious Compliance Rate. But that is enough excitement about the history of our tax system and our compliance rates, because we are unfortunately coming to that dreaded part of every episode, the end. However, I'd like to leave you with these final thoughts or questions. Was Milton Friedman right? Is this system too useful to the people in power? Are we being taken advantage of by the powers that be due to this system? Could there possibly be a shift in power from those who govern us to the people being governed if we instead could withhold our taxes 
from the government. I'd argue that yes, we'd probably see a huge shift in power, and it would bring immense power back to the people, but hey, what do I know? And there we have it, folks. If you've stuck around this long, I greatly appreciate you dedicating your valuable time to this. And as always, if you can give any like, share, follow, subscription, etc. to this or any of our other content, it's not only greatly appreciated, but it is a phenomenal way to support a veteran-owned and operated business. This presentation and all material within it are for informational purposes only and does not provide tax, legal, accounting, or financial advice. Any view and or opinions expressed by speakers are not representative of finance or thought, FFT, their affiliates, or affiliated brands. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions.